0: Hey guys, this is Christy Hayes. Welcome to The Balancing Act, a podcast for average people who are just trying to excel in our careers, maintain a social life, drink enough water, sleep eight hours, eat right, exercise, stay sane, travel, and oh yeah, manage our finances like a total pro. This podcast is for all the other balancing acts out there who are looking for real, no-nonsense talk about financial problems and how to fix them. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Balancing Act. Thanks for tuning in. We're coming to you guys from the greatest country in the world, Texas. I have a very special guest with me today, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Frank Cannon. I want to give you guys a little background on him before we jump into our topic today. Frank Cannon is a financial advisor in Conroe, Texas, where we hail from. He's been in the industry for 30 years and has a wealth of knowledge and experience and I'm really excited to be able to share him with you guys today. He also has the wonderful gift of being my father. He's been a mentor to me throughout my career and my life for that matter. He's someone I go to for advice or to bounce an idea off of and just to get a different perspective. So without further ado, welcome, Frank. Well,
1: thank you, Christy. It's good to be here. Kind of an interesting journey I think we're going to take over the next few times we have these discussions, podcasts. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'd like to share some common sense, maybe some life experiences, and uh, see where it goes. So let's see how it goes.
0: Well, it's great to have you here. I want to dive right into today's topic. We're going to be talking about life insurance. How much, what kind, and why? I know it's not fun to talk about your premature death or just plan for it in general. Nobody really wants to talk about this kind of stuff. But whenever you get real, it's a lot more upsetting to think about what would happen to your family financially if you were gone, and you weren't able to provide for them anymore.
1: Yeah, you don't know how right you are. It's been my experience over my career, and really, let's just take it back to our family. You know, with five children, you're not the only one. You know, I had to consider what would happen if something happened to me, being the major breadwinner for the family. And also... You know, what, what would I like to see happen for my family? Do I want them to go to college? Would I want my wife to, you know, remarry quickly? Would I want her to be able to spend more time with the kids? I mean, it was just a lot of things that went through our mind. And, and then, you know, once you settle on the fact, yeah, you know, I, I do want these things, you know, it gets back to the basic question. Why do I buy life insurance at all anyway? Well, it boils down to two things. I either love somebody or I owe somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, if if we have a mortgage, naturally I owe somebody. And then my love for my family would compel me to consider, you know, life insurance. And if something happened, you know, how would they really make it day to day? and What would be the economic impact on them with my loss?
0: Yeah, and we were kind of touching on the idea of, you know, the difference between somebody who's single you know, but has yeah. a mortgage. So then they're going to have that owe somebody side. Whereas somebody with, you know, they'll still have the mortgage probably and, and, and a couple kids.
1: Yeah. Don't mention the cars.
0: Yeah. And so they, they owe somebody and love somebody. It can be definitely both. You know, you want your family to be able to live the kind of life that they were living before. Buy groceries, pay for child care if they need it, live in the same house. You know, she's just not going to have to run out and become a fry cook right away or, or feel compelled like she financially needs to remarry. It gives them an opportunity to make a decision based on their needs and, de- and desires and not the decision based on some sort of tragic and emotional event that had just befalled them. Yeah,
1: and, you know, it's kind of hard today's dynamics that are, that are so different. You know, you could have two professionals, and both of them are you know, substantial, you know, in their ability to earn income. And they both have a need to stay in that that income generation, that occupation. You know, we assume that there's a wife at home. That's not always the case. It no. can be, you know, vice versa, or the kids are, you know, they stay with grandparents, or they are in a very expensive school or daycare for childhood development. So we you know everything is is very fluid in the the process of deciding well, how much life insurance do we need.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and w-
1: would one be dominant than the other one spouse Should I have you know x amount with one spouse and a smaller amount or a greater amount with the other spouse? It just it's something that really has to be developed through some questions,
0: yeah, some financial planning, and that kind of leads me to my next question. One of the biggest questions out there is always how much life insurance do I need? Do I need you know, you, yeah. if you talk to somebody, they could add up this, this, and this, I had it happen to me there you need two two and a half million dollars worth of life insurance. He went through all these different things and scenarios as to why I would need that. But at the time, I had no idea whether that was all really what I needed or if I was being sold on that. Or So I wanted, as myself, as a consumer, to educate myself on what is the rule of thumb? How much do I need if I am I going to be overinsured or underinsured? It's one of the biggest questions I run into, I think, and I really want to get your, your opinion yeah. on that.
1: Well, and again, it's it's developed over questions, and and a lot of times whenever I ask questions with with uh, potential clients, it always leads to a follow up question. But you know the, the the basic rule that I like to look at is I start with about ten times the the family income, and whenever you start looking at ten times the family income, if I look at you know a hundred thousand dollars of family income, then I know pretty much that you know a million dollars. Is a number that everybody can get their hands around because it's basically 10 years worth of income. You know, it sounds like a lot of money when you say a million dollars, but if you have a million dollars and you're trying to live on it, it becomes a little different picture, especially if it's kind of the rest of your life or over the whole family's lifespan. So, it, it's something that needs to be developed. And really, two, two and a half million dollars on a hundred thousand dollar breadwinner or income, family income, would seem to be a little bit of you know on the high side. Yeah, but Life insurance agents are really good at developing out that commission. Yeah. So
0: Absolutely. you have to be
1: careful. And I, I think that you're finding something that you can afford on a long-term basis for life insurance is something else that has to be considered.
0: Yeah, and that, that, that kind of drives me to the point of, of what kind? What kind of life insurance are we looking at? And you know, most young people I talk to, my advice to them would be to... Get a 20 to 25 year term policy. Because it's really where you get the most bang for your buck. You get the most insurance for your money. Using a life insurance policy for retirement savings or as a savings account is is a terrible investment. I'm going to say you're better off, but there's some quotation marks around that. Because in order to be better off, you've got to be a structured person. Someone who can actually implement the plan and follow it. way it's meant to be done. So I'd say you're better off if you get the term insurance that's cheaper, you're going to get the most insurance for your money, but you're going to take the difference between the whole life policy you would have gotten and the term policy that you're going to get and go ahead and automate that savings. Take that amount, the difference between the two, and start putting away that money as if you were spending it and invest that into some growth stocks, into some ETFs or mutual funds. Get that invested, get that growing. At that point you'll have control over your money. You're not gonna be overpaying premiums so that the insurance company can hold on to your money. And yes, it's tax deferred and that's nice, but if you ever needed that money, you've got a 10% penalty plus tax if you take it out because of the tax-deferred growth. And I yeah, think Yeah,
1: prior to 59 and a half. Yeah, prior to yeah. 59
0: and a half. It just I think it just allows you a bit more control over your savings. You have more control over how you want it invested. And, you know, in the next 25 years comes up, you've, you've built up a nice little fund there, and you've got some savings, you've got your life insurance, you know, who knows what will change in the next 25 years, whether you'll really feel like you need that anymore, whether you've got, you know, obligations with your kids, or if your mortgage is paid off, any kind of inheritance that you might get, stuff, stuff changes throughout your life, so tying yourself to that whole life policy, it may be better just to go ahead and rein back in the control of your money.
1: Yeah, I think I hear what you're saying, Christy, and, and you're right because you know, buying term and investing the difference is really the basis around owning enough life insurance. Most young adults cannot go out and buy $2 million worth of whole life insurance, but they can go out and get $2 million worth of term insurance. What they're missing is that saving the savings component and All insurance is built, all life insurance is built on a chassis. Basically, it's an annual renewable term because every year that you get older, you get a higher premium. If I was to reestablish my life insurance on an annual renewable term basis, every year would be a higher premium. But this way, if I buy a 25-year policy, I get to average out all of those years, and then I get a steady, constant premium for 25 years. So let's just take a, a million dollars on a 27-year-old. Let's say that it's $17 a month. Or let's just use $20 a month. I mean, come on, guys. 20 bucks a month. That's a Starbucks. I mean, or, or a couple of Starbucks. I don't, yeah. well, I don't go to Starbucks. That much. Every time I show up here, it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Now, then the investing, the different side. So let's say that really in your budget, you had $200 a month that you could put away towards life insurance or life insurance and a side savings fund. And over the next 25 years, you know that that premium is not going to change. Your policy is a million dollars. It cannot go down. If anything happens to you, bingo. Your family has $1 million paid in tax-free that they can live on. Number two, let's say that our sinking fund, which is what you were talking about, is kind of a savings account on the other side. We have $180 going into that. And that doesn't count your 401Ks and all your other fun stuff, but over the next 25 years, all of a sudden we have these commas and zeros that appear on our savings accounts. We're starting to build a sinking fund against the need for life insurance. So in other words, we have 250, 300, 400,000 dollars saved. Yeah at that point. And we look at our life in 25 years, because remember you were 25 when you bought it, you're now pushing 50. You re-look at this and you say, you know, I wouldn't mind having life insurance for, you know, take us out to 65. So you look at a 15-year policy, and maybe I don't need a million anymore. Maybe I need $700,000. Maybe I need $500,000. Let's leave it at a million. Let's say that a million now is not $17 or $20 a month, but it's $120 a month. Is it still worth it? Well, absolutely. So, guys, life insurance, there's a place for it. Yeah. Um, and there's a definite place for it. And there's also a definite place for investing the difference. So these are some things that if you're going to buy life insurance, be sure that you consider saving money on the other side. And it really doesn't have to be within the life insurance policy. Yeah. There's a lot of gimmicks and costs that are there. And I've been doing this for since 1983. Seems like too long.
0: Thank you. I kind of want to wrap up this topic and just go back over the three points we wanted to, to really get across to you guys to consider. Number one, you know, why do you need life insurance? Why is it important? You owe someone or you love someone. Just ensuring that your family is able to continue that lifestyle they were living prior to having that catastrophic event happen. And number two, using life insurance as a retirement account is really not the best route to take. Taking that term policy and then investing the difference it's going to take a little discipline on your side, but I think in the long run, if, you, if you're if you really disciplined and you push through and you make the commitment to do it and you automate your savings, like I've always said, pay yourself first. Make yourself one of your monthly bills. Go ahead and automate that savings. You'll be glad you did it at the end of the day. And number three is just how much. 10 times your income is a good rule of thumb. I think that's definitely something. Good place to start. Yeah, good place to start. And then just evaluate your needs for your family, your debt, any other commitments. How many kids do you have? Are they all going to go to college? Kind of take a needs-based approach. That's all for today. If you guys want to, feel free to send me some questions or comments via email. And Frank, I really just want to thank you for being here today. And he's going to be joining me quite a bit on some topics. Like I said, he's, he's a mentor of mine as you know my father and friend and we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other and i just really enjoy having having him and sharing him with you guys i know that he's got a lot of information that will be helpful to you all that's it for this episode of the balancing act remember living below your means in the good times is the best way to survive the bad times i'm christy hayes and as always thanks for listening
1: The information contained herein is provided solely for informational and educational purposes, reflects only a summary of the topics covered, and should not be construed as the provision of personalized investment advice or the making of any investment recommendation. Rather, the content simply reflect the opinions and views of the speakers which are subject to change without notice. There is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Listeners should conduct their own independent investigation into the topics covered and should consult their professional, financial, legal, and tax advisors before taking action on any of the content contained in the podcast. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of amounts invested.